Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The new year is a great time to reset your relationship with your emotions. We all experience things that don't feel so good. Stuff like sadness, anxiety, burnout, and guilt. But in 2022, I want to help you look at these emotions in a new light. I'm Dr. Laurie Santos. In the new season of my podcast, The Happiness Lab, I'll show you that the path to happiness actually involves embracing your negative emotions and listening to the important things they have to say. So listen to The Happiness Lab in the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. TLC is officially cutting ties with the Duggar family. Serena Williams had to retire from her first round Wimbledon match due to an injury, sparking backlash against the event for putting players in danger. And we're talking all about the queer subtext of Pixar's Luca with Slate's Marissa Martinelli. It's June 30th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So about five minutes before today's recording, it was announced that Bill Cosby is to be released from prison after his conviction was vacated. This comes after Pennsylvania's highest court overturned his sexual assault conviction. Cosby had served more than two years of a three to 10 year sentence at a state prison near Philadelphia. We don't have a lot more information right now, but we will definitely keep you all updated. I mean, my biggest reaction to this is why? Like, I don't understand, like, He should be in jail. He's a criminal. He was convicted. Why was it overturned? It it, it really, without getting too much into it right now, because, you know, more details are coming out, but it really does seem like one of those cases of a technicality in a prior case. And it's one of those things that really just makes you like go, wow, our legal system. Yeah, Mm. man. So in other news, TLC has just confirmed that it will no longer be working with the Duggar family two months after Josh Duggar's recent arrest. The network has officially canceled counting on the long running follow up to 19 Kins and Counting. For those unfamiliar with the case, Josh, the eldest child of the family, was arrested in Arkansas and charged with possession of child pornography. He has pleaded not guilty. TLC stated TLC feels it is important to give the Duggar family the opportunity to address their situation privately. Um, That statement is a statement. Uh. Um, Yeah, it really just skirts around the issue. But I mean, good. Like, uh, you know, obviously, like he's pleading not guilty and like this hasn't gone to court yet. But 
I feel like this should not be on Teals. Like, they shouldn't be on well, Teals. Okay, so, like a- Shyla, I don't know how much you know about this show. So, I grew up watching 19 Kids Accounting. And the reason that there's counting on is because of past sexual instances with minors that have already happened with Josh Duggar. So, this is not Wait, the first time. What? That, yeah, I had a feeling, based on your reaction, that you did not know about what happened to him prior. This is not the first time this has happened to Josh Duggar. Oh. And so, if we're talking... uh. TLC probably should have cut ties way back then and not continue to do counting on. So the fact that they're doing it right now and they're saying like, we want to give the Duggar family time to address their situation privately. I'm like, they've had time. They've had it. Yeah. No, I didn't know all of that. That's really skeevy. Um, not not a fan. Now I feel good for never having seen it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so meanwhile, seven-time Wimbledon champion Serena Williams was just forced to retire from her first round match due to an injury. Serena appeared to slip on the grass after 20 minutes into her match. A medical timeout was called, but when it was clear Williams couldn't continue play, she withdrew. Following the match, she wrote on Instagram, I was heartbroken to have to withdraw today after injuring my right leg, adding that, quote, my love and gratitude are with the fans and the team who make being on center court so meaningful. Many spectators pointed out that other players, such as Novak Djokovic and Coco Goff, had also slipped multiple times during their own matches, bringing the playing conditions on one of the most prestigious courts in tennis into question. The All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club said in a statement to BuzzFeed News the dismal weather had played a part in the court surface, being more slippery than usual, but that they were happy with the conditions despite the complaints. <laughs> I'm sorry, that statement really, really gets me. <laughs> yeah. Happy with the conditions. Oh, oh, um, were you? <laughs> like one of your star players was just injured and can't play and you're you're happy with the conditions. Like happy was a choice. And I know we're like laughing at that right now because of how ridiculous ridiculous it is but i mean yeah i get why serena's heartbroken that's devastating to be yeah that's for something that is not your fault that's an accident yeah. you, you slipped on something that was slippery like that's awful yeah, like only 20 minutes into the match Ugh. like you've trained all this time mm-hmm. like the whole world is watching and you slip that's Oh, gosh. Mm. Rough. All right. So moving on to Pixar's Luca, it's already made a big splash in this summer's ocean of new movies. If you haven't heard of it, basically, it's a feel-good film about two young sea monsters named Luca and Alberto who are just trying to make their way in the human world. In pure Pixar fashion, it's stealing everyone's hearts and the internet is absolutely loving the pair's relationship. And ever since the trailer was released, members of the LGBTQ community have said that the story felt very queer-coded. Director Enrico Casarosa, on the other hand, maintains that the movie is simply about friendship, more specifically how we first find ourselves with the help of our adolescent friends. He put it this way when asked about it at the film premiere. We're not, you know, we haven't found ourselves or we're ashamed of something within ourselves. So we love that this is really a story about how we find confidence to show all of ourselves um, and those amazing friends that accept us all of it and really probably are the first one to, you know, even before before we do uh, accept all of uh, our identity. While the film technically remains open to interpretation, for many, the signs are undeniable. Slate's Marissa Martinelli recently wrote the piece, How Gay is Pixar's Luca? and is here to guide us through this rainbow-colored Rorschach test. Hi, Marissa. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So 
It's interesting that the question you posed in your piece isn't whether Luca is gay, but rather how gay he is. Even though the movie's director says it's about friendship, is it fair to say that most viewers, regardless of their identity or orientation, feel that there is an undeniable gay subtext? It doesn't seem that open to interpretation. I think the question of how gay Luca is is twofold. There's how gay is Luca, the main character of this movie, and there's Mm. also how (laughs) gay is Luca, the movie, right? This movie is operating on two levels because on the one hand, you have, you know, this allegory for being in some kind of closet, right? Luca is a young sea monster on land for the first time. The people on land are afraid of what they don't understand, He has to hide his identity. So you have that aspect of it. But then on a different level, you have the question of, is Luca and his friend Alberto's relationship a queer relationship? And I would say that they're both definitely open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, you know, like you said, the boys secretly being sea monsters draws the biggest, most obvious parallel to the LGBTQ plus community. But talk to us about the extent to which this theme alone invites so many layers of interpretation. Sure. I mean, there's the literal aspect of, you know, Luca and Alberto, when they're in the town, they're constantly trying to hide who they are. And they have several close calls. You know, every time they get wet, there's a revelation that they're actually sea monsters. And as the movie progresses, you start to see this disconnect between Alberto, who is maybe more comfortable with his identity, and Luca, who realizes that being a sea monster can actually marginalize him and keep him from doing some of the opportunities he's seeing for the first time. So, you know, aside from this, you know, somewhat obvious parallel, are there any other moments in the film that lend itself to queer subtext? I mean, there definitely are. What's funny <laughs> is that it's sort of a mixed metaphor here because the land people are afraid of sea monsters, but Luca's own sea monster family also pushes back mm. against his relationship with Alberto, mm. right? Luca, as young kids want to do, wants to experiment, wants to push the boundaries of how he's been raised. And in this case, that means going on land with Alberto, who his family sees as a bad influence. (laughs) They threaten to send him away. And their relationship is very physically intimate for even for a friendship. You know, they put their arms around each other. They watch the sunset. They're stargazing. It's a little bit romantic. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> so there have definitely been similar discussions about queer identity in Disney movies in the past. Which ones stand out the most to you in the world of Disney or which ones have brought about the most conversation, I guess? I think in the case of Luca, the one that comes to mind for me is Brave, uh, which was mm-hmm. Pixar's, I think, notably first Disney princess movie that didn't have a love interest. And so there was sort of a similar conversation to what we've heard around Luca, which is, okay, she doesn't have a love interest. Maybe she's gay. Well, why does she have to be gay? Just because she doesn't have a love interest. She's a young girl. She doesn't want an arranged marriage. You can sort of tie yourself up in knots trying to Mm -hmm. work through the discourse Mm -hmm. of it. But Disney has sort of put itself in a difficult position because they haven't committed to queer representation explicitly on screen. And Mm so audiences at this point are kind of left grasping for whatever they can get. And Disney hasn't helped itself by, you know, having individual directors say, oh, look at this moment of queer representation we have. (laughs) And inevitably it's a character with, you know, one sentence or one scene who can be easily cut for the international audience. 
You know, yeah, on that, it's like, you know, there's the studio's actual track record in this area. You specifically wrote about how Disney has overhyped its exclusively gay moments. What are some good examples of these? Like, how have Disney and Pixar navigated through handling queer representation in the past? So the term exclusively gay moment comes from Beauty and the Beast, the Mm. live action remake, where the director actually called it an exclusively gay moment and hyped it beforehand. And then audiences went to see the movie and it was almost hard to tell what the moment was supposed Mm. to be. Mm -hmm. There's a character who, a very minor, minor character who is a man in a dress that was possibly the moment there is a moment where two men are dancing together for like a split second that was maybe the moment but funny enough beauty and the beast actually had a much more old school version of queer representation which is a queer coded villain right Mm -hmm. and when we say queer coded we of course Mm -hmm. mean the character isn't explicitly or obviously queer but lends himself to the interpretation that he might be and that's lefou the sidekick to gaston who is kind of obsessed with him (laughs) Yes, I remember very well. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're diving into even more themes from the film Luca with Slate's Marissa Martinelli. We'll be right back. It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Open to all teams and players, the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative acknowledges the ways that systemic racism contributes to barriers to opportunity and equality and focuses on ongoing efforts on creating progress in the areas of education, economic advancement, community and police relations, and criminal justice reform. To learn more about the NFL's commitment to ensuring a more equal and just future, text NFLIC to 635635. It takes all of us to advance social justice. The NFL playoffs are here, and the Super Bowl is right around the corner. You can follow the action like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Six podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us bring knowledge from careers as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. After the Super Bowl, it's draft season. If you want to go in-depth on this year's prospects and learn what makes the top players stand out, There's no better podcast than Move the Sticks. We'll break down film from the professional and college games so you can know which player to look out for when the football season returns next fall. You'll learn a ton about the NFL, and I promise we'll make it fun along the way. We'll have several new episodes dropping each week, and you don't want to miss a single one. Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Marissa Martinelli about Pixar's new film, Luca. So there are also the people who insist that it's a relationship purely based on adolescent friendship and that this doesn't have to be about romance. Do you think that's fair enough or do all the nuances make that almost impossible? You know, there's something to be said for putting this type of friendship on screen between two young boys who are very physically affectionate and who obviously care deeply for each other. I think that 
it's hard to have that same conversation over and over every time the question of queer representation comes up. You know, the director himself, Enrico Casarosa, has said that this is a prepubescent relationship, which is kind of a silly defense because, of course, kids have crushes on each other well before puberty. But because no one is willing to say this is queer to any, you know, specific main movie relationship in the Disney canon, it's really whatever you want to make of it, which can be good, but can also be very frustrating. You know, I'm honestly tired as a queer person of talking about this, to be honest, about how like Disney and Pixar are lacking the courage to fully embrace queer themes, which is what people are saying, obviously. But I mean, what do you think about the idea that this could be a real missed opportunity? Because it is. We know it is at this point. It is. And I would say that other studios have been braver, you know, like yeah. released mm-hmm. Paranorman back, you know, several years ago with a character who was revealed at the end very casually to be gay. TV is miles and miles ahead. Even Pixar's own TV, you know, they released a short on Disney Plus about coming out that is unambiguous in terms of being about a queer character and a queer relationship. And then you have shows like Adventure Time, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, where you have characters who actually kiss each other. You have Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts on Netflix, where a character actually says the words, I am gay. What a thought. Uh, (laughs) You know, TV seems to be where all of the bravery is these days. And many of those battles have been hard fought. Like, do credit to the creators. It wasn't always Mm -hmm. that way. Right. So... I guess now I'm wondering, considering, you know, the overwhelming reaction from viewers, could Luca end up being a significant movie in the grand scheme of things? Like, could this reaction from fans actually push studios toward fully embracing LGBTQ plus characters in the future? Or is it just another queer coded movie that Disney won't really do anything about? Disney's Bob Shapek has promised that the network and the studio will continue to improve its representation of queer people. What that means remains to be seen. It's been, you know, little little baby steps, and it's hard to really say which is better, these sort of, you know, major characters who are queer-coded or these tiny itty-bitty moments where they mention that someone is gay that can just easily be cut from the movie. It's kind of like choosing between crumbs and scraps. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, what you want is a whole meal. Mm-hmm. That's Yes, well put, well put. <laughs> Well, Marissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, Pixar, you could give us a legitimate queer movie. We still are on the last day of Pride Month. Announce it now. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get Thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses, additional restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space. 
activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a fair play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thursday, February 10th, kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player, delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year, presented by Nationwide, and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022, delivered with Uber Eats, will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign, Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live, except in the Pacific Time Zone.